electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber and Morgan Brennan. Kramer has the morning off. Uh, futures are off the lows, but still weak as uh, this final day of January happens. Uh, three big baskets of news. The Reddit squeeze, corporate earnings, and now J&J with vaccine data that Dr. Fauci calls a spectacular result. Our roadmap begins with the retail trading frenzy. Shares of GameStop, AMC, and others surging once again as some trading restrictions are lifted. Plus what traders, Reddit users, and regulators may do next in response to this short squeeze saga of the week. And COVID vaccine hopes, J&J says its shot is 66% effective, but may fall short against variants. And Novavax nears 90% efficacy in its phase three trial. Good news on both, as you said, at least, according to Mr. Fauci, certainly, Carl. Yeah, uh, David, and also uh, Scott Gottlieb calling it a, uh, let me get it right, a wonderful and important development. We'll get to J&J, obviously. Uh, but, David, I mean, uh, you've got to start to take the week uh, in stock and talk about the degree to which this debate over market structure and these short dislocations are depressing sentiment. And we'll see uh, to what degree they drive uh, de-risking in other areas. Yeah, that is a great question in terms of what the impact is on the broader market at this point. We've been so focused, of course, on some of these names. They are, as you see, soaring again, in part because people are going to be able to buy them on many of these platforms, certainly the Robinhood one, um, Carl. And that's kind of where I've been focused because it's fascinating. I mean, there's so many different parts of the story that are interesting that you can go down and do a lot of reporting on, whether it's the hedge funds and the health of some of them or lack thereof and what the losses are there and how that business may change in terms of the willingness of anybody to do uh, work on an individual name and be known as sort of being short that stock. And that may not be the case. You heard uh, uh, Andrew just talking about Andrew Left, noted uh, researcher on the short side, closing up shop essentially is what that is. obviously has taken significant losses, one would imagine, as well. So there's that part of it. And then there's Robinhood, Uh, you know, this platform that has only come to the fore over the last couple of years, incredibly popular. Its CEO on that interview last evening with Andrew pointing out that it has been number one in the App Store the last few days. So many new accounts. Um, (laughs) And yet, what do the risk management profile look like for that company? What is its ability to mitigate risk when you've got this kind of volatility and you've got settlement that is days away? You've got people who are obviously on margin. How many accounts are negative equity as a result of that? What's the concern in terms of insolvency at a company like that? They took in the billion dollars, as you saw today. So, you know, Carl, there are just so many moving pieces here. We're trying to keep an eye on all of them. And then you get into the political response and the losses on the short on the on amongst the Reddit users and everything else. But the Robin Hood part, I guess I would say here and we can talk more about it. And I know Morgan's got plenty on the options market and things of that nature. Morgan. Oh. But. Uh, don't expect that Robinhood may not be in a position where, where it's going to have to ban trading again, uh, excuse me, where it's going to have to prevent people from buying certain names again as a risk management tool. 
I'll pick this one up. Morgan? And I, I got to say, I went <laughs> yep, yep. way down the rabbit hole. I've been going way down the rabbit hole this week in terms of options trading and volatility. I actually been kicking the tires. I got, I don't know if you can see it. I got my boots on here, my kick the tires boots. So I'm ready to go this Friday morning. Um, but in general, yeah, I mean, there's so many questions you can ask here and so many different angles you can look at. I mean, just look at the futures market, right? We're seeing that de-risking event happening in light of everything we've seen uh, this week in general. You've seen some of those mega cap tech names that have been uh, favored longs of many of these hedge funds uh, coming down and seeing some weakness first time really that we're seeing this in the last couple of days versus the last couple of weeks um, because you are seeing this risk unwind. You can also go down the rabbit hole in, in terms of trading and what this has meant in terms of volatility and implied volatility uh, as well, which is uh, its own special part of the market. And all the questions this raises around derivatives trading, I, I think, as well, which we'll talk about with some of, uh, some of our guests in the next hour. Now, I know Citadel has come out and said they had nothing to do with this. Robinhood has come out and said um, this was specifically a Robinhood, you know, a- event. Um, but you do have to wonder, as one very smart trader said to me last night, that whether it was explicit or implicit, suits pulling the plug on, on retail here. Um, because when you think about it, you're talking about a platform that people are trading on basically for free, mostly for free. Nothing is ever for free, as we learned with the Facebook situation of the last couple of years. And yes, I'm drawing a parallel there. I realize it's apples to oranges in certain ways, but this idea of um, for you, the user, to be on a platform like Robinhood that is democratizing investing and, and trading, somebody somewhere has to basically pay for that, and it is in large part being subsidized by those order flows. Um, and I realize there's also another piece to this uh, in terms of Robinhood and its back-end infrastructure and what all of that means. And yes, this is potentially a liquidity event for Robinhood, and we saw them drawing down uh, last night and the investor infusion last night as well. Um, but there are many different pieces to this. Yeah, but a key one, Morgan, is, is just Robin Hood being in a position where if it wants to stay in business, Absolutely. it cannot have negative equity in many of these accounts. It cannot. And given the and volatility it- and, 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 and the moves that we saw, I mean, when you're talking, you know, 92 million shares at 335 and then going down from there. Um, and by the way, the losses. I mean, there may not be that many winners there. Certainly, there are going to be some on the Reddit, on the Reddit Wall Street bets. But there are plenty of people who lost a lot of money yesterday. Perhaps Absolutely. some hung in there. But Robinhood, Absolutely. if you want to stay in business, you've got to make sure to mitigate as much risk. You can't take those negative equity positions that you're starting to see in all those accounts. And by the way, the clearinghouses that provide you margin are raising the margin on you. And that's why you've got to say... We can't do it. So there are Absolutely. a lot of conspiracy theories about who I, pulled the I'm strings. And I'm not getting into the conspiracy no, theories. But, I'm not taking sides on the conspiracy Right, but conspiracy my point theories. is it's simple business in terms of a absolutely. brokerage firm wanting to stay in business. A- Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is absolutely the case, and it is self-preservation for a company like Robinhood, in part because, again, um, you know, not only the regulatory uh, situation for them themselves, their in-house clearinghouse, et cetera, but also the fact that, in general, where do they make their money more broadly, longer term as well? And I think there's so many different pieces to this. It's very nuanced. It's hard to talk about it in sound bites on TV. I'm sure there are going to be many books and many investigative <laughs> pieces written about it over the coming days, coming weeks, coming months, coming years. Yeah, um, uh, but David's right. It's, it's multifaceted, uh, the, the layers to the story, the regulatory issue. We heard from uh, Maxine Waters yesterday, David, as you implied, 
Uh, a lot of discussion about uh, whether or not Robinhood has somehow betrayed its users. I went back and looked at terms of service. It's very clear. Any services related to my account immediately uh, may be discontinued by providing written notice. Uh, Vlad Tenev did talk to Andrew Ross Sorkin uh, last night and again this morning uh, about uh, the capital raise and uh, the degree to which they need to be concerned about things like that clearinghouse dynamic. Here's what he said. Well, the, to be clear, this was the system working. Uh, we we have the ability to restrict buying in symbols uh, for uh, unprecedented market conditions such as this. And to be clear, we didn't shut down the system. We shut down buying for um, these 13 stocks, for these 13 securities, but customers that held positions could still sell and customers still could buy and sell um, the thousands of other securities on the Robinhood platform. But, but when you look at the precipitous fall, for example, of GameStop today, do you think that Robinhood bears any responsibility for that? I, I can't comment on, you know, price action of, of securities and uh, probably it would be inappropriate for me to do that. Um, and also, I should note, Robinhood wasn't the only firm to restrict buying in securities. Other brokerages have been restricting the buying and trading of uh, these types of securities all week uh, and even today. Of course, we get um, the lion's share of the attention since uh, we've been the cognitive referent for uh, retail investing in America. But other, other people are dealing with these challenges as well. As for the impact on the broader market, David, uh, Barclays takes a shot at it today. They say, look, the total dollar value of short interest is $800 billion, but for stocks where it's short to float of greater than 20%, it's $40 billion. So it's unclear exactly how many uh, rich targets uh, these hunters will have down the line. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, again, you know, the impact longer term on the broader market, right? Difficult to say. Um, will this be with us for a long period of time? Most likely. Are there going to be any true regulatory changes here? Perhaps there'll be more attention on short selling. Um, you know, certainly not to the point where where you can get short more of a float than exists. That, that would seem to be something that perhaps would be put a stop to. I know mm. people have quoted numbers in terms of GameStop, which, by the way, you can borrow now quite freely. Um, but uh, that may not have been quite correct. But, uh, you know, and certainly there'll be a lot more focus on risk mitigation. I mean, we've talked about it. You know, yeah. these hedge funds, I think some of them didn't realize how many were following Melvin into the same trade on retail. Melvin got a lot larger as a hedge fund itself. Uh, and um, probably has lost more money than it made during the life of the fund, which we've seen so many times through uh, through some of these funds, whether it's Jim Paulson, whether not Jim Paulson, whether it's John Paulson, uh, or whether it's even Julian Robertson. I've made the point through the years. Many of these hedge funds get so lo very large. Uh, this guy's a great stock picker, Gabe Plotkin, uh, was very good on the short side. But again, you do have to wonder about the risk mitigation strategies that they were employing there uh, or keeping an yeah. eye on, Morgan. And that's going to be a new case, certainly for the hedge fund industry as it moves forward, as it has to be prepared for this possibility. And by the way, this day is just beginning. GameStop is up almost 100 percent right now. We'll see where it starts. And I would point out again, we got to keep a close eye on Robinhood and whether that firm is going to feel comfortable continuing to allow people to buy in these names if it starts to see some of the same things that that move them to shut it down uh, yeah. yesterday morning. Yeah. And not to be overlooked, uh, 
with the volatility we have seen just in GameStop trading in general, I mean, how many halts were put on this name yeah. yesterday as well? Um, so even if you were at least five. Yeah. So even if you even if you did have access or, or you were finding a way to buy into that name, I mean, how how many of the how many of the hours of the day were you actually able to do so? Um, I think also just speaking to that piece of it, one of the questions that has been raised to me by some of the people I've spoken to in the last 24 hours is. And again, I'm not I have no opinion on this. It's just the question that's been raised to me, which is why blanket freeze on anybody who's buying options further out than the expiration today or buying the underlying stock in general. Um, you know, you can make the argument or they were making the argument that accounts with options expiring today. Maybe you freeze your limit. You have them liquidate because of concern of capital requirement. Um, that's assigned a position in the underlying stock. But to, to do so blanket. Um, I think is really part of what um, is the question that was raised and has enraged some of the folks that maybe were trading uh, and, and going long in a name like GameStop yesterday. David, I also think it's interesting that when you see a name like GameStop, that's yeah. up, what, something like 1,700%. I mean, we're hearing about it on the AMC side, um, but in terms of the opportunity here to potentially sell more stock, yep. uh, raise more capital, it's been interesting to not hear a name like uh, GameStop uh, coming out and at least publicly considering that option. You would imagine that they that they they should. Why not take advantage of what the market is giving you? As you point out, AMC has done so at least at least what it had on the shelf, and then Silver Lake, of course, uh, moving to convert what had been uh, a, a fixed equity fixed uh, a convertible note into uh, stock as well to try to save themselves some money there or make some money where they thought they had a loss. And yeah, uh, you know. We can all argue about the long-term nature of the business at GameStop, and I think that does underlie some of the questions here uh, as well um, of what we're seeing. But, uh, I mean, heck, Hertz tried to sell stock and did, in fact, sell some stock when it was That's bankrupt because right. people, right. were, people were willing to buy it. All right, let's move on now uh, to uh, another big story, of course, we're following this morning. That is Johnson & Johnson out with new COVID vaccine trial results, and Meg Terrell has the details for us. Meg. Hey, David. Well, these were obviously very anticipated because it's the first one-shot vaccine we are getting for COVID uh, results from massive phase three clinical trial, 44,000 people across three continents. In the U.S., the efficacy figure against moderate to severe COVID was 72 percent. Uh, now, when they incorporated the global results, which included a much lower rate in South Africa, where you have that troublesome B1351 variant circulating, 66 percent efficacy overall. Um, importantly, against severe disease, being able to prevent people from going to the hospital or dying from COVID, 85 percent efficacy globally, including those results from South Africa. So that's what we're hearing experts really focusing on today, the ability to keep people out of the hospital with a single shot vaccine. Uh, now, of course, in addition to just being one shot, there are other benefits to this vaccine, including that it can be stored in the refrigerator at temps of 36 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit for up to three months. Uh, and they'll be packaging this in a five dose vial. The NIH just concluded a telebriefing on these results. Dr. Fauci talking about them and acknowledging that people are going to compare that 72 percent in the U.S. with the 94 and 95 percent we saw from the prior vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer. He said, if you look at this number, um, you know, with 
out in the absence of the 94 95%, one would have said this was a spectacular result. But guys, check out the trading of other big vaccine players in the COVID space today. You are seeing Moderna soaring. You are seeing Novavax soaring 63%. They presented some data from the UK and South Africa uh, last night. Uh, Pfizer up 3.5% there. So the market seeing this as an inferior result, although experts really saying this is spectacular. One shot can keep people out of the hospital and prevent deaths from COVID. Uh, so you're kind of seeing that play out in the markets right now, guys. Yeah, Meg, let's let's get some straight talk on whether or not I guess you see this as disappointing and whether or not um, you could improve that overall efficacy with perhaps a second dose of J&J's own or some kind of booster. Uh, what's in the future there? Well, they are testing a two-dose regimen, both in the UK and in the US, and so we should see data on that as well. But they are moving forward, planning to file for emergency use authorization on the one shot uh, in the US next week. So this will move pretty quickly and potentially get on the market you know, within a few weeks. Um, impossible to compare apples to apples, that 72 and the 94 to 95, because we don't know which variants were picked up in the data in the J&J trial. They haven't sequenced all of the cases in the United States. We don't know if there was some B117 in there. That's the UK variant. We, we just don't know. The other argument is that there was just so much more disease when J&J was running this trial, and that could affect the efficacy as well. We should remember the FDA bar was 50% advocacy. We're seeing 72% for J&J here. This is still a good result, guys. Back to you. Yeah, yeah and, and keep in mind what the average flu vaccine is able to do these days and compare it to that as well. Meg, big stories on your beat this morning. We'll come back to you later on this morning. Our Meg Terrell uh, doing great work as always. Obviously, plenty to get to on the corporate earnings front. We'll get to Honeywell and Caterpillar, Mondelez, Lilly. Uh, Chevron. Take a look at the uh, Dow futures off the early morning lows. We're back in a minute. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Companies routinely manipulate their own stock. We're watching the same kinds of things happen everywhere. Um, outfits like Robinhood that say we're going to give you prizes to come join with us and then say but you have to sign something that says there'll be an arbitration clause so if it turns out that we really did cheat you it'll never be made public there'll be very little that you can do about it that doesn't create a healthy market what we need is a healthy stock market and to have a healthy stock market you got to have a cop on the beat. That should be the SEC. They need to step up and do their job. Senator Warren on closing bell last night. Uh, David, uh, it was interesting to hear her focus in on the SEC and equities because some of her prior tweets had, had mentioned private equity. And, and you could imagine private equity saying, wait, 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 don't drag us into this. Yeah. I mean, listen, Carl, I'll come back to you. I, I, I don't quite understand. Do you understand? What, what was she saying? 
I, I, I think she wants, um, yeah, I, I think she wants better, more aggressive SEC enforcement. Period. Right. That's it. I guess. I, I, yeah. Listen, I, I all due respect to uh, Senator Warren. I just don't know exactly what what the what that was um, in listening to it, at least. Maybe a, a larger conversation we get we we get further. I think, you know, again, Robinhood is doing what it needs to to potentially protect its business, even though by, of course, preventing people from buying stock on your platform, you're perhaps sending them to other ones. So that's not necessarily good for your business. But you got to do what you got to do to keep yourself alive and solvent. Um, there are going to be a lot of things to look at. And when Gary Gensler is approved as the SEC uh, chair, I would assume, Morgan, he will be nothing but busy. Yeah. Uh, it, it certainly seems that way, and I, you know, it's not surprising to hear Senator Warren commenting on this, uh, despite the maybe ambiguous nature of that comment, or um, to see some of the other senators and, and congresspeople that we've seen commenting. I mean, it would seem at a time where Congress is, tends to be very divided on quite a number of topics, including the latest stimulus proposal. Let's not uh, overlook that, something we've been keeping an eye on for the last couple of days as well. Um, it does seem there's some bipartisanship between some of the senators here, but it goes back to the, you know, it goes back to that question about what really can be done. And the devil's in the details whenever you talk about any kind of regulation. Um, all right, we've got a lot more. Here's another look at the futures as we count down to the opening bell right now. Uh, we're poised for a down day to end the week uh, with the Dow poised to open 157 points lower. The S&P um, implied to open down 14 points. Stay with us. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. We mentioned that SEC statement a moment ago, uh, reading it a bit more in full here. Uh, extreme stock price volatility has the potential to expose investors to rapid and severe losses and undermine market confidence. Uh, they go on to say, David, uh, issuers must ensure compliance with federal securities laws. Uh, we will act to protect investors when facts demonstrate abusive or manipulative trading activity that is prohibited by law. Yeah, I wonder who that ends up protecting in some way. You know, if that's a reference to Robin Hood, I don't really know. You know, the, the, the best way to protect is to, to make sure your firm stays in business. Um, it'll be interesting. Again, we come back to this, and obviously the SEC right now is missing its, its leadership position, sort of direction from that, even though obviously they have a lot of working commissioners and the like. Uh, but, Morgan, it'll be interesting to see what they really choose to focus on and what, if any, true changes occur as a result of what we've seen this week. Exactly. And I think there are so many different angles to this in terms of, back to your point, that we're going to be uh, seeing regulators probably very busy looking at it. I mean, it's a gray, unprecedented situation. Um, you've got the retail side of it and just the run-up in these stocks. But then on the other side, you do have these hedge fund unwinds, the short positions, the market makers getting destroyed on that volatility, um, given the blowout we've seen in that. Uh, here's the opening bell. It is... Yep, uh, there is the... 
And a look at the S&P 500 at the uh, bottom of your screen. Obviously, yeah. final day, final trading day of uh, January this morning. Still looking at a losing week. Um, and for the month, uh, Dow's down three points for the month. S&P and NASDAQ uh, do have a gain for January. NASDAQ by 3.5. But again, we'll see how much collateral damage there is in some of these dislocations. David, we mentioned that Barclays note earlier today. And, and look, they say it's been a wake-up call, uh, in their words. Um, retail traders are likely to continue to be a force to be reckoned with. And that will permanently affect the business models of institutional investors as that long-short um, risk protection strategy gets recalculated. Yeah, it does. Listen, I mean, you can still short a basket of stocks. You're still going to try to put some hedge in your hedge fund if you are one of the uh, managers behind, what, the $3 trillion plus that is in uh, that asset basket, so to speak. But, you know, in talking, to, and you know, for years I've talked to so many of, 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 these, uh, of these largely guys. Um, they're not going to short single names, <laughs> that's for sure, Carl. They're just not. Uh, you know, you don't. You don't want to do it at this point. You don't certainly want to ever be associated with a particular short position. That is where things sort of began to go bad for Mr. Plotkin at Melvin. Somehow people learning about his, his uh, very short positions. And, it, and, and to be fair, it was a basket of, of retail names as well. Uh, and, and obviously he didn't have it properly sized. Perhaps he didn't fully understand how many other hedge funds were following him into those same trades, given the level of success that he's had over these last few years. I mean, his firm, he was up 51.4% last year, year before that, 46%. So it does give you a sense as to his performance. But yeah, Carl, I don't, you know, you're just not going to have single name shorts. And that's why a guy like Andrew Left, who's built a business over 20 years on it, saying, I can't do it anymore. Nobody wants to, nobody's going to bother listening because uh, the risk is simply too high at this point. Whether that will change, we'll see. Well, and there's a conversation, yeah, I think. Yeah, and that has huge impact. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, David, huge implications if you were unable to hedge the way you historically have hedged. Uh, to what degree do you de-risk on the long side? Uh, those spreads get wider. Markets get more brittle. I mean, there'll be a, a series of unintended consequences that we really don't even understand at this point. Yeah. I mean, and there's going to be a bigger conversation to have around leverage, I suspect, as well. I and mean, we can talk about that in, in terms of what we've seen in, in retail, the in retail and investor landscape and on a platform like Robinhood. But you can talk about that probably on the hedge fund si side uh, as well when you are talking about some of these shorts. I also got to wonder, um, just, from, just from a fee standpoint, um, what this says to that 220 model. I mean, that's been such a debate. <laughs> How long, David, has that yeah. been, a, a, well, listen, been a debate where the hedge funds are I, concerned? Yeah, no, I listen. I've, again, I, I always point out, I've, I've kind of watched this industry become an industry. You know, when I started, it was sort of five guys, uh, and uh, we didn't have uh, Reg FD. You know, there was a, an ability to sort of get close to that line. Uh, and then it became a true, as you say, true industry. And 2 and 20 has, has made a lot of people extraordinarily wealthy. And, and, and many of them, of course, not really putting up returns or anything more than what the uh, overall index did or the S&P. And fees have come under pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there aren't that many managers out there or, or certainly not as many as there once were being able to actually hold the line on those numbers. That said, when you have a great track record, you can ask for what you want. The money seems to find you regardless. And that, of course, can sometimes pose a problem because sometimes you get outside of your uh, core competency or sometimes you simply start to take perhaps more risk than you realize you are taking. Uh, and that may have been the case with with Melvin. But, yeah, you know, we hear it a lot. Um, hedge funds are here to stay. I, mm -hmm. uh, the compensation structure 
Maybe not quite so much, although I did make the point yesterday, Morgan. I think it is worth making. You know, they do serve a lot of different constituencies. They manage money for a lot of different types of people. It's not just about the enormous wealth that accrues, perhaps, to a handful of people at the top, although that is certainly something that I've been focused on for years and talked about and questioned. But that's the way the world works. They're not doing necessarily anything illegal, despite the fact that so many would like to believe they are. Yeah. They're not. Yeah. Um, I'd also just note uh, silver. Silver's been jumping. You've seen that silver ETF uh, as well. I think that started picking up last night. Um, it's getting attention as well. Uh, this this idea of uh, a short squeeze um, playing out in in that. Um, it looks like J.P. Morgan as well uh, named 45 stocks that could be susceptible to quote fragility events in the coming days as well, including some names that we've talked about on this show. Uh, Masterich, I know you've been pointing that one out, Masterich, David. Masterich, yep, yep, uh, absolutely. Cheesecake Factory, Stitch Fix, uh, among the list there too. So, so other names to just, I think, keep an eye on and watch, um, given some of the conversations that seem to be bubbling up around those. Yeah, everybody's got their list of uh, of potential targets. By the way, we got a halt on GameStop uh, for volatility, uh, probably the first of many, if uh, the last few days are any indication. There is a slight industrial bid, guys, uh, this morning. Caterpillar comes out with a pretty nice beat, um, revenue ahead, see sequential improvement in operating margins. They expect to recommend a div hike this year. Machinery sales, uh, the least negative since November of 2019. So Cat's one of the few Dow components of the green and then David Morgan Stanley, on an ordinary day, um, we would be talking about their double upgrade of Boeing, in which they say consensus uh, has gotten too negative, runways cleared, kitchen sink quarter, and uh, Boeing also one of the few Dow components that are solid. Yeah, it is uh, slightly in the green, as you say. We had Dave Calhoun on, of course, the other day talking about the fact that they do believe they have sufficient liquidity, despite what were those significant charges for on, an, on a couple of different areas, Carl. Uh, and then this focus, this continued focus, I think you'd have to say on what the third quarter of this year, Gary Kelly, of course, we were talking to yesterday uh, as well about sort of the progress that he sees being made. So much of this, though, Carl, does come back to the vaccine and the distribution of the current vaccine. And now today, of course, the good news in terms of Novavax and J&J, which perhaps will be added to the mix soon. Um, but we're still got to watch uh, on that front. Thankfully, uh, hospitalizations and cases have been trending down. But, Carl, there is a, a great concern about these new variants as well and what that could mean. And again, that comes back to travel, which comes back to Boeing. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, UBS has a note out this morning, um, obviously looking at a global population. But they say at the current run rate, UBS, uh, we'd, we'd populate or we'd vaccinate rather 10 percent of the global population by the end of the year. Uh, so that's obviously including all kinds of uh, developing markets, not just developed. Uh, but that, that number needs to uh, inch higher. And you, we're beginning to see, David, some slight increases of average uh, vaccination per day. I think we're now doing 1.26 million a day in this country for a total of a little over 27 million. So we'd like to see that number obviously accelerate. Yeah, and then we get that J&J &J data that was out this morning. You have that uh, Novavax data that came out last night as well, the expectation around J&J &J that you could uh, potentially see an emergency use authorization happen as soon as next week, um, what's expected to be, I think, a pretty aggressive ramp uh, in terms of production there. I mean, there is that discussion. I know Jim, I think, has brought it up on, on the show more than once uh, in recent days um, that perhaps we are going to have much more supply uh, than originally anticipated quicker 
than anticipated. Um, if you do start to see some of these other shots uh, come, come online much more quickly, and of course the question then becomes how quickly can you get them not only produced, but distributed into people's arms, which, of course, we've seen that's where the logistical hip hiccups have been um, in recent days. Uh, I think it's also worth noting just the fact that the Pentagon is now being called upon uh, to do more in terms of instead of just sort of behind the scenes logistics around vaccine distribution to do more in terms of actually potentially uh, getting those doses into people's arms. So that's going to be another development to watch pretty closely and speaks to that federal push uh, that's happening in a much more aggressive way now under the Biden administration, Carl. Uh, GameStop's reopened, guys. Uh, yeah. Now a 64% gain. You know, David, um, what's interesting is some of the action on mega cap tech. Um, Apple uh, down again today. Uh, and I wonder about Facebook as well on the heels of what were obviously very strong quarters. But, um, you know, there's a couple a couple of dynamics. One is that companies that were beating earnings were already underperforming relative to the broader market before GameStop happened. But you could build, a, I guess, a thesis that some of this is a depressing sentiment on names that are clearly not just blowing out Q4, but uh, highlighting and forecasting in the case of Facebook, at least, Continued revenue growth of 30 percent plus. Right. I mean, they had a 33 percent uh, top line growth number for Q4. But as you point out, the stock yesterday really didn't do much of anything. I think it did end the day down. Apple is also down in a typical week. If we didn't have uh, what you're looking at right there, that Reddit rally, so to speak, uh, we would have been much more focused on earnings, given we heard from Apple and Microsoft uh, as well as uh, Facebook and Tesla, shares of which are also uh, down a bit. But uh, they kind of came and went. Uh, but to your point, we got to keep, keep an eye on them. Apple shares did get to a point. It's still up for the year, by the way, I would point out. A little less than 2% are shares of Apple, uh, whereas the S&P is down. So it is still outperforming the broader market right now. Uh, it does trade at, what, 35 or so times earnings, something like that, although a number of the analysts are going to be uh, changing their estimates to a certain extent, given the very strong quarter, about the $100 billion revenue. Some of the numbers are truly hard to imagine when it comes to Apple. Forgot to even check their cash position. We were so busy yesterday. But it's hard to avert your eyes, guys, from, from the main story this week. I mean, GameStop is now up 75%. Of course, that has caught the attention of so many. It is still sort of the, the focus. But AMC shares are up 59 almost 60%. By the way, in this idea of selling stock, our Mike Santoli uh, let us know, you know, they're towards the end of their quarter. They may be in a quiet period, unable to actually do that, need to refile new numbers. So perhaps GameStop will try to take advantage of this at some point by selling. I mean, at this point, you could just sell 10 percent. It would be over two billion dollars that you could raise, amazingly enough, uh, when the market cap of well, the company that wasn't point, far. Yeah. Sorry, Carl. No, I, I, right on right on the money, David. Uh, Dow Jones now at the headline that American uh, has entered into a new equity distribution agreement, $1.12 billion. So some of these CFOs are, are not looking at gift horse in the mouth. No, take advantage. Why not? It's a smart thing to potentially do, yeah. even if, if the market is acting irrationally. So what? Uh, give yourself, you know, an opportunity to, to, uh, to secure equity at a, at a, at a cheap, cheap price. Uh, so well, at least for them um, and not have to access the debt markets which has been more the case. You know, look at AMC, right? What it was borrowing at, and now it's able to potentially sell stock. I, you know, this is a company that was very close to just staving off bankruptcy here and there and trying to sort of make its way, and then it gets caught up in this fervor. By the way, some of the names that I keep an eye on as well, Viacom, and now it's, it's down. It actually been up as much as 3%. That stock uh, has been a beneficiary of this short squeeze 
strategy, discovery, another one. Again, any of these names, Morgan, that have large short positions. Now, in both of those cases, you can make arguments as to why the stock should be higher. Certainly discovery in terms of its multiple and even Viacom multiple to, to EBITDA and the like, and perhaps some recovery in the advertising market that they've been seeing. But uh, it's funny to see how many names have been caught up in this. And yesterday, both were down rather sharply. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, and I mentioned it yesterday, but there there are some of those names that I watch pretty closely, like, for example, Virgin Galactic yep. um, Space, uh, which is also up again another almost 5%. It's $45 per share right now. I mean, that's a name that bounces around in, in general. It's been a name that's been highlighted for quite quite a while, uh, I think, on some of those sites like, like Wall Street Bets. But to your point, um, it is these names that do have a lot of short interest in them um, that is getting a lot of attention. Uh, I also just think going back to the whole uh, selling stock uh, conversation a- as well, I mean, there's probably a case there to be made for the SEC to, prob- to make it possible for some of these companies to move even more quickly, potentially, to be able to sell more of their stock uh, in the midst of all of this volatility, because you, you got to think that that too, potentially, putting that supply out there in the market could help uh, with some of the huge spikes that we've seen. Yeah. It's a debate to be had. It is. Uh, Carl, it's been a funny week because I barely mentioned SPACs. And by the way, just because we haven't mentioned them so many doesn't them. mean that many haven't been getting priced and or doing their deals. I see this one TPG today doing nerdy. <laughs> yeah, nerdy. I know. Direct-to-consumer gig economy platform. It's transforming, apparently, how people learn as digital disruption accelerates market expansion. I'm just reading from a press release there. But it does value that company, uh, Carl, at one7 billion dollars. The SPACs continue. It used to be a focus for the Reddit crowd, certainly when it came to SPACs and EV. That's at least how we, through Jim, got to learn about what was going on there a number of weeks, in fact, months ago. But that has not been the focus this week, Carl. Yeah, I thought it was going to be because we went into the week with that Goldman, uh, David Costa note about SPACs being somewhat bubblicious, but we definitely got a, a curveball handed to us in the middle of the week, David. Um, so it's the worst week in about three months across the board. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Hey, Bob. Hello, guys. Happy Friday. Uh, lousy open. Two to one declining to advancing stocks. Remember, it's the last day of the month. As goes January, we'll see. We're right on the knife edge on this. Take a look at the sectors. Uh, Banks were the only major group that kind of opened uh, in the green, and they are also negative as well. But China, which has had a great month, that's MCHI, the big China ETF. Uh, Energy's had a great month, but down's been declining for a few days here. Consumer staples, they're the loser on the month. Uh, Tech's done very, very well down today, as you can see. uh, All the mega caps are to the downside. The earnings still matter, and they've generally come in very good. You mentioned Caterpillar. Those numbers were good, but they're not going up. Stocks haven't been going up. Many of these stocks just don't go up on good earnings. Honeywell was good. I think the earning, the guidance was a tad disappointing. I think the street was expecting a little more. Uh, Chevron was one of the few stocks that actually had a disappointing uh, uh, top line number uh, for that, but perhaps not that surprising here. As for the shorts, we've been showing you all the heavily shorted names here have been uh, soaring here and the different levels. Uh, It's been quite a week here, but Bed uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, AMC, Express, even uh, iRobot, one of the few that was a favorite earlier in the week, not doing anything. Just want to, here's some numbers on GameStop. So at the open, uh, it was, market cap was about $26 billion. That's bigger than almost 50% of the rest of the S&P 500. It's not in the S&P 500. It's in the S&P small cap. And it's the biggest stock in the S&P small cap. 
And depending on where it is now, it may be the second largest stock in the Russell 2000. I believe Plug Power is the largest stock in the Russell 2000. This is now number two. But this gives you an idea that this was a stock that was a fraction of this value just one week ago. We care about it today because of the options, the weekly options. Now, these started on individual stocks several years ago. They're generally weekly options expiration, non-events. We never talk about it. It may be an issue today because game stock calls are so deep in the money. We're talking about a $40 stock. Last week, that's 300. We don't know how it's going to end at the end of the day. So investors have to take delivery or sell. Those who are long it, who, who bought the calls, have to take delivery or sell. So if you're long, you bought the call, uh, do you have the money to get delivery? You still have to pay for the stock uh, for whatever, uh, whatever strike price you had there. Uh, and if you're short, you know, if you sold the call, so you're going to be able to borrow the shares to deliver. And again, normally this is not an issue. It, it never comes up. But when you're dealing with these kinds of crazy price swings today, that's an issue. And this came up with that whole clearing issue around, uh, around Robinhood as well, of course. So we've got to keep an eye on all of that. As for the month, well, you know, remember, as goes January, that's an old saying. We're right on the knife edge. Essentially, the S&P 500 is flat. This was at the open up 0.8%. We're now flat for the month. Uh, but the Russell... Still had a great month, even though it's off of the highs. The Nasdaq uh, is off of its highs, but it's still a good month. Uh, flat on the industrials, and the transport's down 0.8%. As for the sectors, uh, the biggest, best-performing uh, global index still remains. Uh, China, although it was down overnight, um, still good. Energy, banks, technology, and consumer staples and utilities, the defensive sectors, they're the ones that really had a tough time right from the get-go. They never really had any juice at all. Uh, behind them. So it's been a fascinating close to the month. We'll see how the day ends up. Guys, back to you. Bob Sani, thank you. Chicago PMI out just moments ago. We've been showing the results at the bottom of your screen. It came in at 63.8, well above the consensus estimate of 58.5. Um, but David, just to go back to the market more broadly. Okay. Here's the bond um, report. <laughs> all right. Um, just there you go. That's the we'll take a take a look at the yield on the ten year right now, one point oh nine uh, percent. But we'll go back to Carl as well as we do continue to see the sea of red uh, in the major averages. Uh, Morgan, thanks. Uh, you know, one thing we've missed all week long has been uh, the wisdom of our friend uh, Jim Cramer, who joins us this morning on the phone. Jim, uh, for all the viewers, and there are a lot of them, who wonder where have you been, uh, can you explain your absence in the past couple of days? It's been a vast conspiracy, Carl, to keep me away from people who may otherwise want to buy GameStop up here. And they can't have it. No, I had, I had a pinched nerve. Um, I got it alleviated. I am still, uh, I'm actually trying to check out today. You know, you got all these rules. You can't just walk out. I, I, you know, I, I was perfect attendance, Carl, so it's very unusual for me. But anyway, I just missed you guys. I wanted to call in. And I did want to help people because when you wake up, if you're like Rip Van Winkle and you see GameStop at 342, you say, will you please sell some? Yeah. Yeah, Jim. Um, we're, we're glad you're feeling better. Adam we can't Aaron, wait to get you Adam back. Aaron we, from, we, can you get Adam Aaron on the phone right now? from AMC and tell him to sell 100 million shares. I see American, I thank heaven, American Air is doing that. But GameStop is just being, I mean, I, I understand my wife came in yesterday and said, uh, Dave Portnoy came on and said sell it or something. And I said, wow, okay, absolutely. I agree with Mr. Barstool. This is crazy, guys. It's yeah, crazy. It's, Jim, you can't even get away from it either. I don't know, you know, I was listening to, I was trying to listen to sports radio this morning. There's the one here in the New York area, WFAN, figuring, all right, I'll listen to, the latest on Deshaun Watson and where he may be going. And they're talking about Stevie Cohen and Dave Portnoy. 
and their feud and wondering whether, you know, how Cohen's going to be impacted. It's well, uh, this story is just impossible to avoid. I, I have an idea. <laughs> I want to be like I usually am as opposed to what the, whatever the hell I just put in my back, um, it, which was just alleviate the pain. Here's the deal, guys. GameStop is a $23 billion company right now that, frankly, even if it were operating all gears, would be worth about $5 billion. It's 20, 23 billion. I mean, we're worth $5 billion. So it's actually literally like more than four times what it should be worth. AMC was uh, a few days ago, Adam Aaron, he's a very respectable uh, CEO. We've known him for a long time. Yes. He came out and said, you know what? We're not bankrupt. Well, that's a real reassuring, right? So his stock's at 13. If he, he just raised $900 billion, it, it just raised what? Almost $900 billion, what, some huge amount, David. What was it, $9 billion? Yeah. No, no, no. But yeah, they raised uh, almost a billion, I think. Yeah. Almost a billion. Nine million, yeah. Raise, he needs to raise about nine, ten billion, right? I mean, come on, you got to pay down the debt. You yeah. I, listen, but Jim, I mean, it's been an interesting. You know, here you are, you for years, right, on Mad Money and on this show. You know, we've been trying to inform. You certainly have been working to inform what you call the retail investor. I don't. Now you right. call the these guys per, the, the regular person, right? The merry men, because they're different. This is a different cohort to a but certain they're over, extent. They're, they're not being. They're being. They're very. Look, uh, first of all, congratulations to them. We all wish people were can make as much money, and we wish they were making it on Apple or we wish they were making it on Microsoft. But they're making it on companies that the three of us know are actually not doing that well. I'm not saying that GameStop should ever have been as low as where the short sellers were selling it. Because it obviously, you know, there was a very smart buyer, uh, Ethan Cohen, came in. Was it the fellow, the, uh, you know, the guy that yeah, Chewy. The guy started Chewy? He bought a lot of stock at, uh, at eight bucks, and he, he's a bright guy. But, you know, it's at 338. Do you believe that if you were to poll every single member of the board of directors right now, right? Every single member. You know, every single member would sell it, and their families would sell it. And their lawyers and their doctors and their dentists and their PTs would all sell it. This is, and that's what I don't like about this. Now, of course, that's inside information. I'm not condoning that. But there isn't anyone who was involved with GameStop in any sort of way, shape, or form who would accept the fact that this company should be at 338. But there are people who are buying it because, you know, Carl, you see this too. The system is broken right now for certain stocks, for the heavily, heavily shorted stocks. And people are thinking somehow, well, this is a home run. Take the home run. Don't go for the grand slam. Take the home run. You've already won. You've won the game. Yeah. You're done. Well, but Jim, Jim, to that point, though, we were just having this discussion a few minutes ago. The population of names where the short interest as a percentage is this high is limited. So is the after effects of this GameStop phenomenon also limited? Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, let's take the most visible one that I'm very close to, Bed Bath & Beyond. Mark Tritton, absolutely fantastic CEO, came out of, of Target. Merchandising officer, really amazing. John Duskin, great uh, ad, agitator, uh, changed the management there with a, a, a very aggressive proxy fight. And, you know, that's the stock it's hard to figure out. Is it, was it worth 10? No, I think the short sellers actually pushed it down. Is it worth 36? Eh, it's probably worth, like, say, 25. Right. But that's, a, that's a, the only, of all these, Carl, this is the only one that's a judgment call, but it's got 66% short. Um, the other ones are just overly shorted, and then you start getting down to stocks if anything under 5%, and if you're buying it thinking there's a short squeeze, you're going to be wrong. Because the company no. can alleviate the short squeeze. <laughs> Why GameStop? You know, I called GameStop three times last week. I mean, I almost called it from the OR. I should have called it from the OR. I was more coherent than they are. <laughs> and there's definitely no doubt about it that they should be selling stock here. Uh, yeah, well, they, they might be towards the end of their quarter, Jim, and, and unable to do so until they actually report numbers. Mike Santoli's pointed that out. But, uh, you know, 
Well, you on know GameStop, what? by the way, I not that my, many people are short my, anymore, Jim. I mean, a lot, most people have covered. And so, uh, you know, this is, I don't know. This is not just squeezing here. This is just pure buying. They, GameStop has the ability to pre-announce. People have the ability to go to the government. You can go to well, the uh, And by the way, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm fairly certain, Jim, their fiscal year ends in a matter of days. Yeah. Oh, you can do whatever. I mean, look, these are just lawyers talking. This is the market at stake. When you have something like a GameStop, which is making everything look like a farce, the Treasury Secretary should be talking about it. We've got people who are more scared about the stock market because of some dumb video game brick-and-mortar outfit. This is just nuts. We've got really great companies in America are being written up all over the place. And, you know, it's like maybe they should crash because of GameStop. You know, it's America. You've got to hand it to American Air, right? They knew that they need money. So what they do? They raise cash. You know, I said uh, Bed Bath has a good balance sheet. They don't need to do it. Um, uh, AMC has a bad balance sheet. They do need to do it. It's called the balance sheet. And GameStop could do a spot offering right now, re-announce its quarter, and get rid of that what, that billion dollars of debt that they don't need. But nobody wants to do anything that's commonsensical here. And you've got these two sides duking it out, and it's just a tragedy that's going on like this. And I don't care whether, you know, I'm not saying red is good or bad. I'm not saying the shorts are good or bad. I'm just saying that the government has to step in and at least try to address the situation so that the rest of the market isn't panicked by four stocks that are heavily shorted. Hey, Jim, um, while we have you, J&J, your verdict? That, that's a tougher one because, look, it, it's, what you really want is obviously you want Moderna uh, because that's 95% or you want Pfizer because it's 95 but if you can get a drug right now that is going to keep you out of where the hell I am, which is a hospital, then you want it. And so, I mean, I think that we're going to have to start thinking, you know what, there's, there's perfect and there's good, and good's pretty damn good. So do I buy the stock J&J? Well, obviously, I would have liked it to have 95%, so you're not going to get that. But does it save lives? Yes, it's certainly worth something. But now we're going to have to default and start talking about the rest of J&J's quarter, which, by the way, was excellent. And it's got it's the principal beneficiary of a weaker dollar of all the drug cohort. It's a pretty damn good stock at 2.5% yield. So I don't mind, you know, J&J, could it go back under, the one, under 160? Yeah, but not much more than that. Uh, the one that is, is confounding is Lily. You know, I'm looking at Lily and thinking that's had quite a run. And, and don't think it's on the, at this point, don't think it's on, uh, it, 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 it's definitely not on COVID. It's on Alzheimer's. Right. Jim, it's Morgan. Uh, I'm trying to save people some money on this GameStop before they lose a lot. I mean, I'm calling in from the hospital bed because of GameStop. It's just not right. That's exactly right. I just can't watch people lose all this money. Yeah. Jim, I mean. I'm sorry. Hey, it's Morgan. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. And I just wanted to go back to that point you're making. I mean, when you talk about taking the home run, at some point everybody's going to start taking the home run and it's going to be a race back down to the bottom. I mean, at least if history is any indicator that it could end really badly. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because that's going to be scary. Yeah, well, you know, I've got nurses here and doctors are saying, you know, should I be in it? <laughs> and, you know, it's like these are real people here and making real yeah. difference and working real hard. I'm talking about first responders asking about game stuff. And it's like, yeah. guys, have some heart. You know, is, you know, company issue a statement saying we don't know what's going with their trading. We want to raise money, but we, we think that we should be able to. We don't have a good balance sheet. The short sellers, let's find out who really covered that short at what price. Let's have some disclosure. Let's have a government investigation of how the trading went so this doesn't happen anymore. 
because you've got trillions of dollars at stake in an even stock market. This is like the flash crash. But, okay? yeah, and but, we all thought the flash crash took the stock market down. It shouldn't. No, but Jim, we know where this stock's going to end up. I just don't, I've said that. We don't know when, but I know where. Well, uh, I, 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 know. I, and I think you, why, most why people feel I pretty confident, right? And you do too, based but, on its I'm fundamentals. I'm my damn hospital bed because I'm I not going to sit here and let real based people on, lose a fortune. Right, based on the it's prospects that right. it has. As, as yeah, still Lisa's going to come in here. She's going to come here. She's going to take my phone away. But I'm looking at this stock and I'm saying, this is David and Carl and Morgan, thank you. And CNBC, thank you for giving me an opportunity to say, Please don't lose a lot of money on GameStop. Yeah, but, you know, if you're Robinhood, you've got to be careful here, too, because you don't want Everybody. gaps down either in margin accounts well, right now. You've got to make sure everybody, well, you know, you don't want negative equity to start showing up in all these accounts, and then you have an issue yeah, yourself. Yeah. And, we, and, you know, obviously they can't sell the long calls. They don't know how to get out of them. They should be selling common against the long call, which is a synthetic short. Lisa will be closing out the position. That's so, in other words, people are playing with fire. The people are playing with high calls. And, uh, you know, like a 300 call, a 220, 250. We've never seen margin requirements like this. We've never seen the level of collusion behind us that we can't. There's no sunlight going on here whatsoever. We need Louis Brandeis and five other great justices to get involved in this thing. But the one thing that should not happen is people should not read into, into the rest of the markets in GameStop. The rest of the market, the, the numbers have been really, really good. Uh, and uh, everything that I've seen, I've been trying to catch up and sneak it when the doctors aren't watching. And I feel pretty good. It, they're supposed to try to keep me down. But they, there's the biggest joke. Um, but, yeah, I just said I got a call in <laughs> to tell the guys that this thing should not be anywhere near. And I'm not against anybody who's long it. And there's no vast conspiracy against me or GameStop or anybody else. There's just a very overvalued stock. And, you know, when you're, you know, when you're, you're if there's three guys on and it's the ninth inning and you can, and you're up and you're down by one run, okay, and it, it's a home game, you don't need to hit a grand slam. It, you can hit a single and you've just hit the single of a lifetime, all righty? <laughs> so, Jim, are we going to see you on Monday? Well, if you don't tell Lisa, I'm going to try to sneak to the studio. I have the COVID studio at the end of that hall. But maybe you guys can distract her so I can do a show. But you will definitely see me Monday. <laughs> Believe me, if I went on the operating table, you would have seen me yesterday. Uh, yeah, I had bad. Imagine we were reading. I, I he was reading the J&J conference call no while time. they were operating on him, I think, Carl. I could see I that, couldn't you? I tried yeah. to FaceTime you. You didn't pick up. <laughs> anyway, please don't get, let Sorry. people get hurt, okay? So that's our job. Don't let them get hurt, all right? Yeah. Love you guys. Uh, you, you, sound, you sound good, Jim. Yeah, it's good right. to hear good you. Guys, I'm, I'm, well. I'm, in the, I'm in the Brooklyn Marathon. <laughs> uh, Jim Kramer phoning in from the hospital uh, on this Friday morning. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.